Are you a small business owner looking to scale your business and your profits? Are you looking for strategies to find balance in your life as an entrepreneur? Stay tuned while Craig Staley, founder of HG Site Design, a website design and marketing agency, shares strategies from successful small business owners, authors, and experts on how to do just that. Let's join Craig as he explores how we can all take our businesses to the next level on the Small Business School podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Small Business School podcast. My guest today is Tia Burns of The Barn at Aspen Acres. It is a venue, wedding venue in Spearfish, South Dakota. And she tells an interesting story about how the venue got started. I think it's probably might be the only venue in the United States that happened that way. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems fairly unique. And she talks about the challenges of starting a wedding venue and, you know, a lot of the challenges that they faced during COVID and, and how they've come out of COVID. And it's, it's been very busy for them, which is, which is great. And she even talks the end a little bit about, uh, how they run a successful TikTok account as well. So a lot of information to listen to in this episode. So please welcome my guest, Tia Burns. All right. I'd like to welcome my next guest. It is Tia Burns of uh, The Barn at Aspen Acres. How are you today, Tia? Hi, Craig. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for joining us today. Before we get into kind of the meat of the interview, can you give everybody a little bit of your personal background? Yeah. Currently, I live in Spearfish, South Dakota. I'm married to my husband, Dan. He's a family medicine practicing physician, and we have a nine-month-old, but originally from Nebraska, the northwest corner of Nebraska, was born and raised there in a little college town. Loved growing up there, but definitely knew I wanted to leave there and not be there forever. Yeah. So yeah, I went to a large college at first to the University of South Dakota. And then after my first semester there, I transferred back to Black Hills State University over closer to home, about two and a half hours. And then I got my degree in business management and marketing. And yeah, I feel like since then, I've always tried to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up and always tried different career paths and asked tons of people what they did for a living to just kind of figure out what was out there. And I think that's true. After you graduate college, you just don't know, especially with a broad degree like marketing and management, and you just don't really know. So I explored different things like banking, insurance, finance, management, and then eventually sales and then marketing. So I feel like it's helped me as a business owner to kind of broaden my make me well-rounded, <laughs> but just kind of all over the place. Interesting. Well, you know, I think this is going to be a, a really interesting story because I've I've read a little bit of background. I know a little bit of background about this, but can you tell us how you started or why you started the barn at Aspen Acres? Yeah. So my dad originally was in real estate or property management. And to me, that was like really appealing, the flexibility, the income, the, I just thought, wow, what a great way to raise family. I loved how I grew up. So to me, that was very appealing. So I always thought I wanted to go into maybe something in property management, but I, before I went and explored a lot of different things. And I knew going into property management that you needed to have a lot of capital. You couldn't just go buy a house off and then 
off the market and not live in it. You have to have money. And so when I met my husband, we were both goal oriented to finding investment, whether that be an income property, whether that meant building apartments or something like that. And so we then got engaged and started looking for a wedding venue. And because my husband's from Iowa, we feel, we jokingly say there's a wedding venue on every corner in Iowa. (laughs) And there's like very few of the scheme of just a white basic gathering barn that can fit about 300 to 400 people. And so that's kind of how we got started into building our wedding venue. So basically, were you looking for kind of your own wedding venue in your area and did it start because you were having a difficult time finding one basically? And then that's, that's where you kind of start planning the, the venue idea. So there is a huge, there was, there still is. And, and I don't think my prior self would have told you that, but there was a huge gap in the market as far as finding a facility that was clean and modern and of size that we needed. We knew our big families, we would probably have 250 to 300 guests, maybe even upward to 400, just depending on when and where. So for us, just looking at that was in the hills, there just wasn't that. And so we really saw the gap and me being a business major, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start from ground zero and start the business plan. I'll just look at it and see if this is maybe a viable option from Now, from today, a lot of people come to me and they're like, I'm going to start a wedding venue. And I was as naive as probably most of them are to the amount of work and hard grit and grind that that it takes to own a venue. And I think maybe the naivety was a good push for us because we went into it blind of how much work it was going to be. But we were young and we knew if we failed, like we could probably pick ourselves back up and, and keep going. And my business plan, the good thing of it all was the business plan was viable. And so we took the leap and and went for it. So what I'm interested in is you're planning, I assume, a wedding at the same time that you're like planning on starting up a wedding venue. And so ultimately, did you have your, you had your reception in, in that venue, didn't you? We did. Um, that. It's absolutely crazy. A lot of people in a lot of these interview stages that I'm in, they're like, oh, so you didn't have a venue. So you built a venue for yourself to have a wedding, which no, that's not quite the story. (laughs) But yes, in some ways it is. We definitely built a venue because there wasn't an option where we wanted it and what we wanted. So yeah, we, we didn't, they didn't have what we wanted and we knew, my gosh, we cannot be the only people in the Black Hills of South Dakota that are looking for exactly what we're looking for. Like this should not be uncommon. We talked to a lot of vendors in the market and they were like, yeah, there's a huge gap. So yeah, it sounds like great. (laughs) So, so what I'm curious about is did you delay the wedding to have your wedding be the first one in that venue? Cause I'm assuming, I'm assuming that you didn't build that venue quick enough, you know, normal. It seems like, you know, it's about a year of planning for a wedding. I I just have to imagine maybe it took a little bit longer for the the venue to be done. We had a very long engagement. We got yeah. engaged in February, which is really hard. And that's so we started our kind of our inception of the barn maybe like April after we had started doing research. 
um, that August is when we finally went to an architect and really put mm. the grind to it. And then, yeah, we didn't start building until March of the year we got married, which is pretty crazy. So we did have a backup venue booked and then we had played with the idea since we had bought the land that maybe we'd do a tent on the property. But our end date was supposed to be June, the beginning of June for our first wedding. And our wedding was booked for June 29th. And about February, there was freezes and it was a bad year to build. It was really muddy. And yeah, they ended up telling us like, I'm sorry, but we're not going to get this done until August. So essentially we had to postpone our wedding because we were like, we can't be building this ginormous venue and putting all of this work ethic into it and then not get the final reward of having our wedding here. So we did postpone a couple months, but I feel like it was also almost a blessing in disguise now because I, I had that same thing that a lot of COVID brides had. So I had that similarity a different world, but I understood how devastating that first phone call of like, oh my gosh, my wedding has to be postponed. So yeah, it was, it's interesting how past experiences kind of provide us a lot for the future. How cool is it though, that you get to go to work every day in the place where you celebrated your marriage? That's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) I've never thought of it exactly like that, but I I jokingly say if the, the venue ever like for some reason, couldn't it be a wedding venue? I would definitely live here. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, I assume before this, it sounds like you never really owned a, a venue or anything like that before. What went into planning, not only the building, I mean, you talk about the architecture and, and the space itself, but just planning all of the stuff you need for the space, whether it's a, a PA system or furniture, or what you need for a kitchen for caterers and that type of stuff. I mean, how did you go about planning that? Yeah, that's a great question because I think with most things in owning a business, you definitely just have to start with focusing on one thing at a time and be willing and open-minded to be able to pivot. I think that's probably more true now than it ever has been in, in the industry of owning a business. But for instance, we were convinced that we were going to make our own farm tables, that that was one thing that we could do ourselves. We can't build this building, but we can build the contents inside of it. And so we were convinced we were going to build farm tables. So we bought metal bases and we bought saws and the wood and three different bases to try all of these different things. And we wanted them to be foldable. And so it was just, we were trialing and airing so many things. And this is just one example of them. But by the end of it, we were like, we don't have the time or the experience to be able to make this and make it not only like correct and make it look nice, but also the stability and get rid of some of the liability from it. So I think just having that open mind and being willing to be like, yes, we can do it with work ethic, but also like, no, this is not a idea. There's certain things that you should delegate off to, to an expert, basically. Yes, absolutely. So there's, you know, we kind of talked, there's a ton that goes into a wedding day for a couple. And there's obviously a lot of planning that goes in. Sometimes people are, you know, planning for over a year for that one singular day. What are a couple things that you learned over time to do up front for your clients or review up front with your clients to manage their expectations for that day? Yeah, I think expectations are one of the things in a business that can kind of wreck you or make you. So I think at first, 
I try and set up the expectation the first time I meet them. I put it in all of my brochures. I talk to them about it in their tour. I talk to them about it throughout in their contract and their pre-event meetings. So I think consistency is super important being repetitive. And I know it sounds silly, but like you are planning for over a year. And so I think that just being repetitive and knowing your contract the best, knowing what your clients are going to need from you and have that FAQ, that frequently asked questions down and know that, no, we don't set the table. That's something you're responsible for, because that may be a day of kind of contact that can be conflicting because it's something they probably assumed, but never confirmed, but we also never told them we didn't do it. So I, I know my contract best. I have a software that I keep everything in from the client management side of things. And I think just keeping your, your consistency and being repetitive has helped me probably the best. What would you say has been the biggest challenge that you faced in business and what did you do to overcome it? Big scale, just building a business, I, especially as a, I think I was 28, 29 year old female and, and building it and going into contractors' offices, working with architects, doing a lot of things that I had zero experience in. I think overall, just looking back again, it goes to that trial and error stage. I think for me, that was definitely, I feel the best about, but I think more recently and more since I've been is definitely COVID. It was a huge, huge challenge for us, made us pivot and grow in a lot of ways. We had to update our contracts. There was things that we never knew that we needed to put in our contracts, but found out quickly, like this is a line that you need to actually know. And it it can come true. Added new services just to make up for lost income, kind of opened our minds a little bit to what else can we do? We tried a lot of things and failed at things too. So I think that's also like the success of owning a business is failing and and knowing, okay, we can't do that, but we can do this. And we did this really, really well and we need to keep doing it. So barring COVID, and obviously that's a challenge that everyone has had to face, you know, in whatever industry they're in, you know, thinking back to when you first were thinking about the business and planning out the business and you saw a need in that area. Was there times where you thought, well, maybe this isn't a slam dunk? Will it be, since it's in kind of a remote area, there's not a whole lot of large cities near it. Is this going to be tough to keep filled? Or did you know, you just knew that like, there's enough population around that are looking for wedding venues and there's nothing here. You just knew it would be a slam dunk. I think for us, it was overall, yeah, definitely like the fear of having a new entrant into the market. I can't say it's the same fear now as it was then. It's opened my eyes to realize that there's even maybe a bigger gap than what I thought. But again, it goes back to so much of the environment has changed. When we first opened, there was a huge market for that 300, 400 range. And now the amount of people that are coming in want space, but they don't necessarily want a headcount up that high. So I, I think there's new and interesting needs that maybe other venues haven't. But in the very beginning, I think for us, it was just that fear of a new entrant coming in and becoming immediate competition for us. And then maybe not having enough people to go around. But truly, when we created our business plan and did our research and and really 
dove into what was missing in the market, I feel like that put us bounds ahead of any competition or any new entrant. And I feel that way now, even if somebody came in and had all of the same amenities that I do, I confidently can say that we're bounds ahead by just the experience that we have now. So our reach has significantly broadened from when we first had our original plan. Like you talked about our geographic area and we are pulling down like a majority of things from North Dakota. We're pulling in a huge amount from Wyoming, some from Montana. Just this year alone, because we were open for a lot of COVID, we didn't have the restrictions that other places did. We were pulling significant numbers from Colorado. We had a wedding from New Mexico. So I think for us, we've done a great job of the marketing side of things and it hasn't necessarily constricted us. So I don't, you know, kind of coming back to the front of your question of like, were we scared? I would say yes, but it was more that we just thought somebody else would come in and do the same thing that we were and take away from what we were doing. That's interesting. So if you had to choose just one, what has been the best moment in your business's history so far? For me personally, it's coming into the environment and knowing that I've created a team and staff that loves coming to work. They know the expectations. They come in and do their job. I don't have to micromanage anybody. I have people that are running TikTok, which I can't run TikTok. (laughs) I have people that are doing my backend and operations stuff so that I can really focus on the things that I need to focus on. I still get my client interaction times and make sure that the quality is there. So it allows me to focus in on what I need to do and what I like to do. And so for me, I think the best moment is just coming to work on those days where my crew is here and everything is flowing and just looking around and being like, yes, we've made it. And yes, I have the team that I need and everybody is not only here, but they're happy to be here. That's awesome. You are probably the first guest that I've had that's mentioned that they or alluded to the fact that they have a TikTok strategy. I think other guests have been on TikTok or they have a TikTok handle and don't really use it that much. So I assume that, you know, TikTok's probably big for you because likely the demographic, at least of the the brides primarily, is is ones that are that are probably on TikTok. So I don't know if you can talk about that a little bit. Was that something that you guys started out with right away? Or is it something that you've noticed a trend and and started using recently? Or can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. I think our TikTok rooted from our Instagram and doing the real side of things. Instagram is by far our biggest strategy next to Google. Google is probably our number one and then Instagram. So I think we started creating the real side of things and then played with the TikTok um, we've had a couple TikToks go viral, per se. But I, I think ultimately we're in an environment. And one of the things that I think we're the luckiest thing about our industry is that I get professional photographies, uh, photographers in my facility that will give me their images every Friday and Saturday, every day during, or every week during the summer. So for me, the quality of content that comes through helps me significantly create a lot better marketing campaigns than I think most can. But yeah, so I think the TikTok, it's just finding and doing your research on what's trending and doing the right hashtags. And then a lot of it's luck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something sticks with somebody and it's the amount of likes that just cascade and keep getting bigger and bigger. And the more the likes, 
obviously the more people that are seeing it. So I can't say that we have a specific strategy on TikTok yet. And I'd love to know some uh, feedback if you hear anybody or if anybody wants to uh, message us and let us know what their TikTok strategy is. We'd love to hear some more tidbits on it. I mean, the awesome thing about TikTok is there's that probably the only social media, maybe LinkedIn is getting less and less, but it's like one of the only social media platforms where you have an opportunity to get organic views where, you know, Facebook, it's pretty much pay to play. Instagram, for the most part, you know, is pay to play. TikTok is still kind of growing and and you have the opportunity to just throw something out there, no sponsorship and get a million likes, you know, which is awesome. I think the unique thing too, like going off of what you're saying is there was people all over the nation that was seeing this and they were like, oh, we love that song. They're considering it for our first dance. But then there are also people commenting, where is this venue? And it's, so that's, it's been really interesting. The other marketing tool that we've just started diving into is Snapchat and doing some of the marketing campaigns on that. And, and again, I, there's so much backend stuff and knowledge that needs to be shared and can is out there. You just have to do the research to do it. But it's where my clientele is at. Snapchat, LinkedIn, or I'm sorry, Snapchat, Instagram, and TikTok. So I, I have to transform into that, whether I'm there or not. Yeah, you really don't have a choice. So who do you who would you consider a mentor and what would you say is is the most important lesson they've taught you? my lifetime, I think my dad has taught me some valuable lessons. I, he's still the person that I call on to confirm my doubts and fears and successes. So overall, I'd say my dad is definitely my biggest mentor. And, and one of the things that he's taught me or the important lessons that I would say I carry on and I hope to carry on to my children is that you can really find common ground with anyone. And I think we need that more in today's society is that I don't really know anything about Craig's daily. I don't really know anything about the person next to me on the plane, but just having the open mind enough to just be like, I guarantee that maybe Craig and I both like marketing. You know, I, I finding that narrow or broad enough image that you can find something in common with everyone. I remember my dad as a young child, like going into a grocery store with him and him just like chatting it up in the back with the whoever's behind us in the grocery line. And some people may call it like Midwest friendly, but for me, that's really been ingrained that every person that comes into this venue, I can find some type of common ground, whether we're politically not in the same realm, just finding that common ground is so, so important. And I feel like that's the best piece that my dad has given me as a mentor. Yeah, that's so true. And I think it's actually easy to do, but few people really stop to to think about it. I mean, you and I both have kids. We both want the best for our kids. You know, we want them to get a great education. I mean, that's that's like standard across the board for almost everyone in the world, you know. So there's there's definitely common ground to be found for sure with everybody. And I think I can attribute a lot of my success to those conversations that I've had with just random people or I know more about random things that have gotten me further just because I've been open-minded enough to have random conversations with people. So being well-rounded and, and being able to communicate with just anybody has been really a life skill that I hope to pass on. That's great. So before we get to the last question, where can our listeners find out more about your you and your business? Yeah. So we have social media accounts, all of the ones we talked about earlier. 
everything's at Black Hills Barn. We have our website. We just relaunched it. It's www.blackhillsbarn.com. And I personally have one at the Barn Founder. And occasionally we'll do some mentoring on there for future venue owners, people that are just entrepreneurial spirits that want to learn some things. So yeah, any of those would be awesome. Please follow us. That's awesome. So if you could hop into a time machine and go back to the day that you started thinking about the business, you're ready to launch, what advice would you give your past self? It's going to be okay. I think we all have so much stress in our lives and everything triggers us so much. But I think having taken the risk that we took, the amount of stress that we put on ourselves to make sure that it was going to be okay. I think if I could go back and be like, it's going to be okay and you're, you're going to make it. I just feel like I could have focused on so many other things, just having that faith. Yeah. I think that's tough to do when, when you're entering something that's the, the unknown and, and obviously with hindsight and things are going well, you know, it's, it's easy to have that and look back and say to your past self, like, why were you worrying for that year, year and a half or however long it was? So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tia, thanks for joining me today. We really appreciate it and wish you and your business all the best. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Small Business School podcast. If you like what you heard, please share it and leave a review. It would mean the world to us. If you are a small business owner or looking to start a business, join the Small Business School Facebook group. It's a private community of people focused on helping each other take their businesses to the next level. To learn more about our guest today or to be a feature guest on the Small Business School, go to craigstaley.com forward slash podcast for more info.